When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. We know that the biggest story uh, is the Toby Green verdict. Uh, well over three hours, the... The case today and the deliberation as well. Um, the three-week suspension that was handed down after a guilty verdict was found by the three members uh, of that tribunal uh, has garnered a, a lot of opinion. Um, Gil McLaughlin today uh, saying he was a bit perplexed given that they uh, pushed for a six-week suspension and they would be looking at the possibility of an appeal. So it has been a story that has had a broader response and it's not just about Toby Green but it has and I don't like the word triggered but it has um, prompted a lot of people to jump on and give feedback of their own experiences umpiring and some of them have been incredibly hard to hear and I'm going to play those for you a little bit later on. Um, there's been some harrowing stories that have been told and there's been umpires that have uh, gone the other way saying that uh, they were okay with everything that happened so there's been a real uh, balance and a real difference of opinion on on this, but it has raised the bigger question about the relationship uh, between players and umpires and the treatment of umpires uh, from players, from the football community, in a much broader sense as well. So we thought it was a good opportunity to get the CEO um, of the AFL Umpires Association, Rob Kerr, on, who's been good enough to wait patiently because I'm running a little bit late to get to him. Rob, thank you for being so patient. I know you've got some engagements to get to. Thanks for being with us. No problem at all, Sam. Good to be here. Since before we get to the verdict, but since the events of the weekend, and again, we're not trying to um, witch hunt Toby Green here, but since the events of the mm. weekend, what what has been the response from your constituents from what happened on the weekend? What have they been saying to you? What have your people been getting told? How is it being felt? Yeah, I think most of all, um, the umpires, particularly at AFL level, and um, you know, you guys have heard plenty of reaction from people at local level. But um, the main thing the AFL umpires were looking for was um, that uh, the AFL demonstrate its support for um, umpiring and their uh, and their safety, and that they're able to um, you know provide do their work in a, in a safe manner. So for us, um, at the very start of it, all, the first um, hurdle was that the case actually be sent to the tribunal because um, if, you, if you cast your mind back a few days ago, there's plenty plenty of commentary suggesting that it shouldn't and, and it should just be a fine. But there's a very strong feeling that, um, you know, it was intentional or it was, appeared to be intentional. It had to at least be tried that that was intentional and that the case needed to go to the tribunal. And, um, you know, from, from our perspective, it was great to see the AFL, um, you know, demonstrate their, their commitment and support to the umpires on that front by proceeding with the case. We know that, the tribunal. Sorry, Rob. We know that Matt Stevick right. was, was comfortable with the interaction um, and, and didn't feel intimidated or, or have a, a major issue with it. Were there some umpires that you spoke to that really were confronted and upset by it? Oh, I think, um, look, look, Matt's obviously a very experienced umpire. Yeah. And um, in some respects, 
you know, you're, you could almost say we're fortunate that it was Matt that was involved. And uh, he's been pretty well, uh, by, by most people, commended for the way he uh, managed the situation. Then, yes, speaking to Matt, he was very much in the moment of the game and yeah. and the like. Upon reflection, um, and I think he even uh, said within the uh, hearing today that, um, you know, probably uh, there was perhaps a little more to it than what he, how he interpreted it at the time. Mm. Um, but, yeah, people around and, and colleagues, look, my phone lit up pretty much straight away. Uh, with people sending um, sending messages around the fact that the incident had occurred, and uh, as I say, the, the main thing was to see that um, how, how it was going to be handled from there. Because we we're aware of an instance this year in a in a league in another state where a very similar uh, incident occurred, and um, in that uh, instance, the league didn't um, even get as far as referring it to the tribunal, uh, uh, which which we found astounding. So. You know, it was important um, to, to the members of the AFL-UA that uh, this one go to the tribunal. And then probably the, the second thing we're looking for once um, once the case was heard was just what the AFL's position was with, um, with respect to the penalty they were uh, seeking. Are you comfortable as an association and you personally with a three-week suspension? Uh, look, the tribunal, you know, they, they hear the evidence, they... Um, take on board everything that um, the various parties have got to say and reach their determination. But I feel like three weeks is is the bare minimum at the, and at the lower end. Like we, we were, um, you know, I felt that in seeking a six-week penalty, the AFL was sending a very strong message, not just to players within the AFL, but to uh, the broader footballing community that, you know, this sort of thing couldn't be tolerated under any circumstances. And um, you know that uh, that umpires are not to be approached in that manner, and that if you if you take it upon yourself to step outside what would be considered to be um, the normal uh, a respectful kind of approach to an umpire, you're uh, you're in dangerous territory. So um, I felt like the six-week penalty was an appropriate request to make. Um, I haven't heard and, re- and reviewed all the evidence given. I'm aware of a decent amount of it. Uh, but I'd have to say I feel like three weeks, yeah, absolute bare minimum. Um, and, uh, and I say that because of the, um, the knock-on effect down the line. And it is, it is the case that uh, lower leagues, other, other um, tribunals do refer to what happens in the AFL when making some of their judgments and adjudications. So uh, I think it'd be hard to argue that any decision the AFL makes or any decision that flows from the AFL doesn't set a bit of a benchmark down the line. So would you as an association support the AFL in appealing that three weeks? Uh, yeah, well, if the AFL uh, legal team um, feels there's a argument to make uh, for an appeal, then, yeah, we'd support that, yeah. Were you surprised, Rob, we're speaking to Rob Kerr, AFL Umpires Association CEO, were you surprised at the amount of current players and and recently out-of-the-game players who did put, and, and, and pardon the pun, but did throw the arms up in the air and say, play on when it came to this incident? Um, surprise is probably putting too light, too too light, throwing too well lighter shadow on it. I'd say I was shocked by some of the feedback that the the players, current and not long out of the game, were um, you know offering. Uh, I think you know when we step back from this, I think this will be a bit of an educative process for everyone mm. uh, because 
you know, if if you thought that that was acceptable, then I think you're um, I think you're misjudging the way in which um, the the I think you're misjudging the expectation in which the way the, the game should be conducted. Um, you know, when you think about it, the job of the umpire is to ensure that the game's participants play in a safe manner, uh, that it's played safely for participants, and the umpires do that through their decision-making and the management of the game. So that needs to be reciprocated to the umpires as well. The umpires are entitled to go out there and perform their duties uh, feeling secure, feeling like they're in a safe environment, and, and there's no um, there's no uh, hint of any threat um, or any uh, intimidation or whatever you like, or disrespect is probably the better word to use. Um, coming back to them, so I was I, I was yes very surprised by some of the commentary that followed, um, and uh, as I say, hopefully this is used as a bit of an educative process for some of those. Uh, some of those who felt that it was kind of, yeah, okay, well, you know, fine, we'll do the trick and let's move on. From the feedback that you get, what do you understand to be the current state of relationship between um, players and umpires on a week-to-week basis? Uh, well, you know what, it's, um, it's an interesting one, because the, the umpires uh, did a lot of club visits at the start of the year, and the feedback from both um, clubs and umpires there was very, very positive, very positive, and and the umpires appreciate it, and, and uh, the, the players treated them well, the clubs treated them well. And you go back, there's quite a bit of interaction um, in the last 12 months because of COVID with umpires and players being in hubs. And I'd have to say that almost uh, without fail, the, the, the umpires have felt very comfortable, very respected and very included in a lot of those scenarios. On game day... Um, there is a feeling that uh, there's there's room for more um, respect for the decision making process and and just continuing on with the game as opposed to arguing and um, disputing the decisions. I think it was uh, publicised um, yesterday that it, it came up for discussion in the uh, in the um, competition committee. And um, yeah, there is a bit of a feeling that um, you know it's been tough for everyone. Perhaps frustration starting to. Mm. sneak in uh, a little more than, than might normally be the case. But um, there is a bit of a feeling on game day that uh, the, the protests are kind of escalating and being a bit more frequent than perhaps would normally have been the case. What about at the lower levels, Rob? And and, and we could expand on a whole heap of these, but I'm conscious that you've got commitments. So for, we've got a few people texting in wanting uh, a bit deeper into certain areas, but I thought there's a few things we could touch on. But what are the lower levels? What are, what are you hearing about the relationships between um, suburban, junior and country footy between players and umpires? Oh, I, think, um, I think it's kind of summed up really by the fact that you've got a, a pretty significant umpire shortage at the moment. Mm. Um, you know, the number of factors that play it there. But, but the other thing about the shortage of umpires, when you go and watch a lot of suburban footy, uh, often you're seeing uh, men of 50-plus do the umpiring. Um, so, you know, you have to ask the question, where, where are the young people coming from? Where, where's the next generation of umpires coming from? And, and I've heard many stories of young umpires being involved and doing one year, if they can stick out that one year, and then and, and, uh, moving away from the game. Because they, they just feel like, well, for what's, you know, pretty average sort of reward, uh, the abuse and, and some of the um, treatment they get just doesn't really make it a worthwhile and pleasant experience. Now, I think the game's, 
the game's big enough to address it and face up to it and try and turn it around. And hopefully this um, this incident and this event uh, is a um, bit of a watermark in terms of the game, saying, OK, well, let's try and shift things a little bit here. And I go to a lot of junior footy, watch my son play footy, and, you know, oftentimes you think, well, you look at the way coaches will sometimes respond and, and um, behave on the sideline and think, what, what's, what are the kids learning here? Yeah. Um, what's the lesson being taught to the kids when their coach is um, carrying on the way uh, way he's... Um, I've you know, run the boundary and I was running the boundary on one occasion this year and there's some pretty experienced umpires out there and I happen to hear them say to each other, oh, my God, what, what is this all about? What's going on here like? You know, even even guys that have been around for a long time sometimes find it a little um, a little over the top. Hey Rob, I've got to let you go, but just in a, in a we don't have because we've got to hit a break ourselves. We, we'll we'll get you on another time. But were you just quickly were you comfortable that Matt Stevick was uh, called to give evidence in the case today? Uh, well, he's the only person who's had to go to the yeah. tribunal all year as a witness. Uh, and, and I would have thought if he was going to the witness, the only question he needed to be asked was was there contact. Yeah. Um, uh, so I thought, was I comfortable? Probably not, but the answer there, um, given, given the precedence for the other cases throughout the year. Rob, thank you so much. We've got to hit a break uh, that's going to bump into us at any minute. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Pleasure, guys. Thank you, Sam. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.